All things may change, but they never die. Welcome back to Sojourner's Spirituality. This episode, we will be going over another one of the tales from the Metamorphoses of Ovid. There is a flower blooming in early spring whose yellow and white radiance wars against the frost to be the first flower of spring. You've seen them, and if you don't know them as Narcissa, you've probably heard of the daffodil. But it wasn't always a flower, no. But it was always poisonous, perhaps not of its own design, but of the gods. Long ago, a child was born, and as it was customary, he was brought before the oracle to have his horoscope and his fates read. His parents asked the most pressing question, Will he have a long and happy life, our son? seeking from the oracle comfort and certainty in uncertain times. The oracle, looking down at the child and seeing the child had been bestowed with a dangerous gift, shook his head and simply said, He will, if he does not discover himself. For a long time, the augur's pronouncement appeared empty words or but cryptic musings, but in the end, it proved true the outcome, the cause of his death, and the strangeness of his passion. As Narcissus grew older, many youths and many young girls, too, desired him, but Narcissus held such intense pride in his own delicate form that he cared for none of his would-be lovers. One day, the nymph Echo saw him as she was out wandering in the woods and Narcissus was in the woodlands hunting. Echo, she the repeating voice who cannot be silent when others have spoken, but can never learn how to speak for herself first. Once Echo had still a body and was not merely a voice, but though she was garrulous, she had no other trick of speech than she has now. Echo can repeat the last words out of many. Juno made her like that because often when she might have caught the nymphs lying beneath Jupiter on the mountain slopes, Echo would hold Juno knowingly in long conversations while the nymphs fled. When Saturnia realized this, she said, I shall give you less power, Echo, over that tongue by which I have deluded, and you shall have but the briefest ability to speak. And what Juno threatened, she did. Echo can now only repeat the last of what is spoken, and returns only the words she hears, cursed for defying the queen of Empyrean. Now when Echo saw Narcissus wandering through the remote fields, she was smitten, following him secretly, and the more she followed, the closer she got, and the hotter she burned with fire. Oh, how she wanted to get close to him, and beguile him with seductive words and call out with soft entreaties. Yet Echo's cursed nature denies her this, and it will not let her even begin. But Echo is ready for what it will allow her to do, to lie in wait for sounds and see which words she can return favorably. By chance, Narcissus was separated from the rest of his hunting group, and finding himself alone, he called out, Is anyone here? And to which Echo responded, Here. Narcissus was astonished, and seeing no one about, he shouted in a loud voice, Come to me, 
and he heard Echo, Come to me. Narcissus looks back, and no one appearing behind him, he asks, Why do you run from me? And again, Narcissus heard, Why do you run from me? He stood still and was deceived by the likeness to an answering voice and said, Here, let us, let us meet together. And neither answering to another sound more gladly, Echo replies, Together. And to assist her words, she came running out of the woods and wrapped Narcissus in an embrace about his neck. Narcissus, however, ran back in shock and cried and mocked her, saying, Away with these encircling hands! May I die before what's mine is thine? And she answered only, What's mine is thine? Scorned. Echo wanders lonely in the woods and hides her face in shame among the leaves. And from that time, she lived on only in lonely caves. But still, her love for Narcissus endures. Increased by the sadness of rejection, her sleepless thoughts waste her sad form. Her body's strength vanished into the air. Only her bones and the sound of her voice are what remain of Echo. Her voice remains, and her bones, they say, are changed to shapes of stones. She hides in the woods, no longer to be seen on the hills, but to be heard by everyone, for it is sound that lives in her. As Narcissus had scorned her, so had he scorned the other nymphs of the rivers and mountains, and so had he scorned the companies of young men. Then one of those who had been mocked, lifting their hands to the sky, said, So may he himself love, and so may he fail to ever catch the attention or object of his desires. And the goddess Nemesis heard this just request. There was an unclouded fountain with silver bright water, which was never disturbed and clear and soft. Grass was about it, fed by the moisture, and a grove of willow trees kept the whole area shaded and cool. Here Narcissus lay down to rest and to drink. While he desires to quench his thirst, however, a different thirst is created. When Narcissus drinks, he is seized by the vision of his own reflected form. He loves a bodiless dream. He thinks that a body that is only a shadow Narcissus is astonished by himself, and hangs there motionless with a fixed expression, like a statue carved from cold Parisian marble. Flat on the ground, Narcissus contemplated two stars, his own eyes, and his hair, fit for Bacchus, fit for Apollo, his youthful cheeks, his ivory neck, the beauty of his face, the rose flush mingled in the whiteness of snow admiring everything for which he himself is admired. Unknowingly, Narcissus desires himself, and the one who praises is himself praised. And while Narcissus courts, he is courted, so that equally he inflames and he burns. How often Narcissus gave his lips in vain to the deceptive pool. How often, trying to embrace the neck he could see, he plunged his arms into the water, but could not catch himself with them. What he has seen, he does not understand, but what he sees, he is on fire for, and the same air both seduces and yet deceives his poor eyes. Fool, 
Why try to catch a fleeting image in vain? What you search for is nowhere. Turning away, what you love is lost. What you perceive is the shadow of reflected form. Nothing of you is in it. It comes and it stays with you. And it leaves with you. If leave, you can. Narcissus could give no thought to either eat or drink. He was transfixed by this phantom. And even though he begged and cried, whenever he went to touch it, it disappeared and it filled him with more pain than he had before. Narcissus wasted away, his beauty lost, his visage worn away by hunger and cold and the thirst. But Echo happened upon the pool, and though she, without a body, remembered her love, Narcissus, and loved him still. And when Echo saw this, though she was angry and remembering Narcissus' cruelty to her and his rejection, she still pitied him. And whenever Narcissus spoke, Echo would speak as well, so that he would know he was not alone in the end. And slowly, Narcissus turned away from the phantom image of the pool and gazed up at the skies, simply content to know that Echo was there. A short while, not long after, came his end, and he spoke his final word, Good goodbye. And Echo also said, Goodbye. Narcissus laid his weary head in the green grass, death forever closing those eyes that had marveled at their own lord's beauty. The gods, pitying Narcissus, or perhaps the tears and prayers of Echo, granted that Echo and Narcissus should remain on the earth together. When Narcissus' sisters came looking for him and stumbled upon the pool, they found his bow and his quither long discarded. But there was no body, all they came upon was a flower, and it had white petals surrounding a yellow heart. This is the tale of Narcissus and Echo. So this spring, when you see the daffodil peek his head out of the frost-bitten ground so early, it is because he seeks his Echo and misses her terribly. So show pity and call for Echo, that she and Narcissus may be reunited once again in love. This has been Sojourner's Pagan Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this.